We're beginning here on the top of Lamech Chedam Aleph. Amaleah by the Rav Yosef. Hai Kuba de Ara that we spoke about yesterday, which was Abai's definition for Chuknim. Maime Barachini Lavei. What is the bracha that we make on it? Amalei, misavar t'nehemahu. You think that that is pot, that is bread? Guvla ba'almo. It's just a mixture of flour and water, which has a din of masik deira, and therefore mevarachini lavei, borei minei mizonot. And therefore the bracha is going to be borei minei mizonot, like any of the chameshit minei dagan, that are a part of any dish. Marzutra, kavasu datei ilavei. He was Kovea Suda on this Kuba Da'ara, and therefore he was Berechilavei Hamotzi Lechem in Aretz. He made a Brach of Hamotzi, Vishalosh Brachot, and Birkat Hamazon afterwards. And in addition to that, Amar Baravashi, Adam Yotzeben Yidei Chovato Bepesach. A person can use them for Matzah on Pesach, my Taima. Lechem Oni, Green and Bay. May not have a din of pot, but it has a din of Lechem Oni. And therefore, you can be Yotze with it for Matzah on Pesach. In order to understand this better, we need to go back to the end of yesterday's daf, where we had a distinction that was drawn between Troknin and Shrita. Over there, the Gemara says that Troknin, your Chayavin, Bechala, according to most of the Girsot, and Shrita is Patur Minachala. Now, we have to understand why there's a difference between Troknin, which Abayi defines as Kubada'ara, and Shrita, and in doing that, we then can now understand what is happening in today's daf. Before we do that, we need to take one step back with regards to the dinim of Chala. There's a Mishnah in Chala, Perakalf Mishnah He, which tells you that Isa Shetchilata Sufkanim, Bisofa Sufkanim, Ptura Minachiala. If you have an item that its beginning is like, quote-unquote, a donut, and its end is like a donut, then it doesn't have a din in Chala. On the other hand, if tchilatisa, in the beginning it's like a dough, the sofa sufkanim, but in the end it's baked like a sufkania, tchilata sufkanim, or it's made in the first place like a sufkania, but sofa isha, in the end it's baked like an isa, chayevet bechala. So that's the din that we get out of that Mishnah, and that's exactly the issue that is being discussed over here with regards to the troknin and the trita. And that is that in order for something to be chayavit in chala, it needs to qualify for one of two things to make it chayav. There is a postdoc that says reshit arisiltechem chala tarimu truma. So that something that's an arisa is chayavit in chala. The definition of isa is a kneading of a dough. And that's what it means here that if it's chilat isa, if you began with an isa, then you're chayavit in chala. The other postdoc says with regards to the din of so something that's defined as lechem also has a chiyuv of truma over here, which means chala. Lechem is defined by the baking of the item and not the cooking of the item. So if you qualify for either one of those two items, then you have a din of being chayav in chala. Either you're kneaded like a dough or you're baked like the bread is baked. Either one of those two items will make you chayav in chala. So now going back to the difference between chuknin and shrita, the Rosh believes that the difference between them is that they both are very thin. That means that they do not qualify as an arisa because of the fact that they are not kneaded like dough. The difference between them is what Rashi describes over here in the baking process, that for the chuknin, it is put into a little depression in the bottom of the oven where it bakes. And it bakes there similar to the way that a piece of bread would bake when it's put into the oven, where in their day they used to plaster it to the sides of the walls. Over here it's in a contained area that's baked inside of the oven, and therefore it does have a shame of lechem, and that's what makes it chayav and chala. On the other hand, the trita is lacking in both of these items. It's just as thin as the choknin, 
The way it's baked, according to the way that Rashi explained before, is that it's just poured onto the bottom of the oven and it just spreads wherever it wants. So it becomes very thin, it's pancake-like and not bread-like, and therefore it doesn't qualify to be considered lechem as well. So therefore, according to the Rosh, the reason you're chayav in chalab by chuknin is because of the fact that it is baked and has a shame lechem in the end, even though it's not kneaded like dough. On the other hand, when it comes to trita, it is neither kneaded like dough, nor is it baked like bread, and therefore it's p'tura minai chala. That's the view of the Rosh. The other hand, the Rashbo believes that the difference between them is not in the baking process, rather in the kneading process. And that is for the Chuknin, the kneading is a thicker type of kneading, and therefore it has a semblance of being like an Isa, whereas by the Trita, it's so thin that it has no semblance of being like a kneading of dough, and that's why it's Pturam and Achala. Neither of them are baked in a manner that gives them a shame lechem. The difference is whether it's qualified as an arisa or not. So now we come over here to our Gemara, and they're asking about the brocha on kubadara. What it seems to be is that the din of the brocha of amotzi is premised or dependent on whether the item is considered to be a pot. It's considered to be bread. Before, we saw that the shoknin qualifies to be chayav in chala. According to the Rosh, the reason that was is because it's baked in a manner that gives it a shame lechem. So the truth is that it has a shame lechem to it, but it still does not have a shame pot to it, and therefore the brocha that you're going to make on it is because it's a guvla ba'alma. It's just a mixture of flour and water that, yes, in the baking process it gets a shame lechem that makes you chayab and chala, but that shame lechem is not enough to make you chayab to say hamotzi elim ken your koveya suda. If your koveya suda done it, then that can transform the lechem into something of significance where you'd also make a mozi lechem in aretz. But standalone, the item doesn't have enough significance to it. It doesn't have a shame pot. And therefore, there's no din of a mozi lechem in haaretz. But that would then imply that when it comes to the trita, that according to the Rosh, the trita does not have a shame arisa, and neither does it have a shame lechem. And therefore, the reason you make a bracha baremi name is onot on it is because it's like bishul kedera. It's like a mixture that has chamishit minei dagan that is cooked together, and that requires a bracha baremi name is onot. But then, if you were koveya suuda on it, it would make no difference because it doesn't ever have a shame lechem associated with it. And since it never has a shame lechem associated with it, the trita can never be elevated to the status of a mozi lechem in aretz. And that's exactly what the Beit Yosef says. And Paskin's that way in the Shulchan Aruch that the same distinction we have with regards to the chiyuv chala between a troknin and a trita will have the same manifestation over here with regards to the brocha. Both of them up front will be barei minem zonot, but in the back end, if you're koveya suda, when it comes to troknin, that will have a din of amotzi because it has a shame lechem on it that can be elevated. Whereas the trita, which does not have a shame lechem on it, can never be elevated to the status of amotzi lechem in aretz. Then, according to the Rashbo, who thinks that the difference between troknin and trita has to do with the thinness of the mixture. Reason your chayav in chala or patur min chala has to do with whether it has a shemisa or doesn't have a shemisa. So the failure is in the shemisa aspect of it, where the troktin has a shemisa, but the trita does not have a shemisa to it, and that's why it's not considered to be chayav in chala. But for the Rashbro, that the distinction is totally driven by the fact that one of them is a much thinner mixture than the other. They're both baked in the tanur, and there's no distinction there. Therefore, by the case of chala, where arisa 
or the Shem Isa is important in order to determine the Chiyuv Chala, then you would draw a distinction between Troknin and Shrita. On the other hand, when it comes to over here, the Megadon explains there's going to be no distinction in the Bracha, because whatever gives it the ability to have a Shem Mizonot, and then if you eat and Koveya Sudan, it makes it into a Motzi, that is driven by the Lechem side of it, or the Tanur side of it. And there we see no distinction, according to the Rashba, between the Troknin and the Shrita, and therefore over here, as the Magan Avram says in the name of the tour, there'll be no difference between Troknin and Shrita. You'd make a Borei Minei on it, and if you're Koveya Sudan, it, it would have a Din of a Motzi, whether it was Troknin or Shrita, because with the aspects of baking, there's nothing different between the baking of the troknin and the trita, according to the rashpa. And therefore, the din will be the same with regards to koveya si'uda. And that same distinction would persist then with regards to matzah, which is according to the rosh, then troknin would qualify it for matzah because it has a din of lechem, a shame lechem, and not a din of shame pot, but has a din of shame lechem. And that's enough because that's what you need for matzah, which is lechem oni. On the other hand, the trita, which never qualifies as lechem, can't be lechem oni, and therefore can't be used for matzah. On the other hand, the Rashba, who believes that the difference in the troknin and the trita has to do with the arisa aspect of it, as far as the lechem side of it, there's no distinction between them. If trokin can be given the status of lechemoni, then so too the trita can have that same status of lechemoni if you're koveya suda on it. And the distinction here made by the Rosh, the difference between trokin having a shame lechem, whereas trita not having a shame lechem, seems to be also the view of the Rambam. Because the Rambam says that the trokin or the failure by the trokin is that it's baked on the ground like the Arabs do, not inside of an oven, and therefore it fails to garner the status of pot. But it does still have a shame lechem on it, and therefore if you're koveya suda on it, that would elevate it to the status of a motzi, and therefore it's chayab and chalab, because it's considered to be lechem, and you can use it for matzah on Pesach, because it has a din of lechem. On the other hand, the trita, which according to one of the opinions was baked out in the sun, that never even garners the status of lechem, and therefore it fails on both aspects, both the arisa and lechem aspect of it, and that's why it will always remain mizonot, it will not be chayab and chalab, and you can't use it for matzah on Pesach. Amar Mar Baravashi, Hai Duvsha de Tamre, the honey that comes out of the Tamarim, out of the dates, Mirchverachin and Laveish, Akoniyebidvaro. The brach over that is the juice of a fruit, and the juice of a fruit gets a brach of a Shakoniyebidvaro. It's true of the dates, it would be true of any other fruits as well. My taima, Zeyabamu, because it's considered to be like the sweat of the fruit. It's not the primary aspect of what the fruit is grown for. And that's what as Rashi explains. And you can see a similar sentiment within Tosvot over here. That's differentiated from the olives and the grapes, whereby the olives and grapes, the purpose for growing them, or the primary purpose for growing them, is for the juices that are extracted from them. And therefore, wine and olive oil have a different status than any other fruit juice. Now, that would imply that if you grew fruits solely for the purpose of juicing them, meaning that that was the main purpose of these fruits, that possibly the bracha should be borpiates, that's something that needs to be discussed further within the modern-day postgame with regards to brachot on juice, especially when the juices today have bits or pieces of the actual fruit in them. That should almost definitely elevate the bracha to borei pri haetz and not a shahakol. Additionally, I would point out, in their time, there is no refrigeration, and that means that fruit juices really have no value. 
Fruit juice only becomes valuable when you have an ability to store it. Storing fruit juices requires refrigeration. On the other hand, things like oil and wine, they have a natural shelf life, either because of fermentation or because of their staying power, and therefore their liquids are important because you're able to maintain them or store the item in that fashion. If that's the case, it would open up the possibility by Devash or Silan, which does have staying power, that maybe that liquid should also have a din of Borupiates, and also, of course, would open up Pandora's box today with regards to fruit juices where we do have the ability to refrigerate and store them, then maybe our perspective on fruit juices is very different than that which was found at the time of the Gemara. And brachot is one of the areas in Aloha where the, what the common practice of the time is has influence over what bracha should be said on certain items as we're going to see later today with regards to cooked vegetables. Come on, who is this shita of Marbaravashi following within the Tanaim? Tihaitano. It's like the following Tana, the Tanan, we have a Mishnah, Dvash Tamarim, Beyein Tapuchim, the honey that comes out of the dates, and the cider that comes out of the apples, Chomet Sif Vaniyot, and the vinegar that is extracted from the late maturing grapes that will never fully mature, Vish'ar Mei Peirot Shel Truma, or any other juices that come from an item that is Chayav in Truma, Rabbi Eliezer Mechayev Karen Vachomesh, Rabbi Eliezer says that that has a status of food, and hana'ah, a status of truma, and therefore if one misappropriates it, they're chayab to replace it and return it to the Kohen with the karen, the principal amount, the chomesh, an additional chomesh on above that. Rabbi Yeshua, poter. On the other hand, Rabbi Yeshua says you're potor, because just like we're saying above, the juices that are extracted from the items are considered to be zeyab alma. They're not considered to be like the item itself. And that's why the brocha drops to shahakol. And similarly, by truma, they don't have a classification of truma. And that's why you would be patur. What's interesting about this Gemara is that the example that they use is the honey of a date. And in the Torah, when it wants to speak about the Shivat Aminim, when it was speaking about dates, it calls them divash, making it sound like that that is the primary usage for the dates, and not just a zeya ba'alma. So Rav Hai going and trying to reconcile this, says that when we're speaking here in the Gemara, we're speaking about the dates that were fermented or cooked in order to extract the honey or the silan from them. That's where we say that it's Zeab Alma, and it's not considered to be Bari Priyaitz. On the other hand, the Postuk is speaking about the juices that emanate or are exuded by the date itself without any external stimuli. That's called Dvash Tamarim, which does have a din like Bari Priyaitz. And the date itself would be defined by that. So now we're continuing the Gemara. Amalei hau mirabon in the Rava. Trima mahu. What is the din of this trima? Lo hava date de Rava. My Kamerle. Rava, who is living in Bavel, is Aramaic speaking. He has no idea what this trima is, because it seems to be that it's a derivative of a Greek word. And therefore he's uncertain as to what he's asking him. So therefore it says, he had no clue what he was asking him. Yotib Ravina kamei the Rava. So Ravina was sitting in front of Rava, Amrle, and starts to query of this Rabbonin who's asking this question of Rava, the Shumshame Ka'amart. When you're speaking about this trima, you're speaking about those that come from the sesame seeds, which you would dice up in order to extract the oil from these sesame seeds. Oh, the Kurtame Ka'amart. Or you're speaking about those that come from the Karkom, the Crocus, or Saffron. 
But you would slice up thinly as rashes of beer and put wine in it, make it into a drink. Oh, the Purzani Kamart. Are you speaking about those that come from the grapes where you take out the pits of the grapes to make temid, which is when you pour water over the pits of the grapes, then it captures some of the grape juice there and then ferment. So which one of those are you speaking about? So the question is, these items, when you've done this, what is their status? Do they maintain the integrity of the original item and therefore their bracha remains the same? or they have changed sufficiently that their bracha now has changed to be shakol niyeh bidvaro. In the interim, aske rova ledate. Rova then caught wind of what he was asking because based on the queries of Ravina, he started to understand what the question or the nature of the question of this Rabbonin was. Amalei, chashilta? You're speaking about, this is the Aramaic term for this item, which Rashi explains over here, is something that is diced or cut up, but not completely blended or crushed, but really diced or sliced up into very very thin slices. So you have fruits here. Question is, do they maintain their status of fruit, and therefore you would make a bori priates on them? Or are these items so far removed from their original structure or shape or form, and therefore they would have a brach of shakol niyavidvaro? So he says, chashiot vaday kamart. You must be speaking about this chashilta, v'adkartan milta, now you reminded me of something, Hadamaravasi, that I heard from Ravasi, Haitamre Shil Truma. If you have dates of Truma, Motarla Sutmehem Trima. You're allowed to make Trima out of them. That's the Trima that's mentioned before. And now he remembers that the Trima and the Chashilta are the same thing. And he says, with regards to these dates that of Truma, you can make Trima out of them. You can dice them. You can cut them up into very thin slices or thin pieces. Basula Sutmehem Shechar. On the other hand, you're not allowed to make them into beer because then if it's totally crushed or it's squeezed out or juiced out, that item has no semblance of the original item. And therefore, you can't do that with truma because by doing that, you change the truma from a machal, from an ochel, to a mashke, to a juice or to a liquid. And as we saw before, a liquid or a derivative of the fruit that is liquid is not like the fruit itself. And you're not allowed to change truma from its original status. And so changing it from a date into shechar, into beer, is problematic. But changing it from a date into trima is not considered problematic, which is indicative of the fact that that must not be a change in its status. And if it's not a change in its status because it's okay to do it and remains truma, that means that it also the brocha that you would make on it is bore priates. And therefore here, the hilchata tamre vavdinu trima, if you have tamarim and then you dice them up into these thin slices, then you do make a brocha of priates, my daima, because they still are in their original state, like they began with, and since there's no change in their state, they still have a din of a bore priates. And this halacha might have implications for things like applesauce, whereby if it is not pureed completely, and there's still pieces or chunks of the fruit that are in there, then the brocha might be bore priates, rather than shahakol that would be made if it was mirusak de gamre, as Rashi says over here, because it no longer has any semblance of the original fruit. Shtita, as Rashi explains over here, which is flour made from roasted kernels of grain that were roasted before they fully dried out. And then in the Gemara and Shabbat, Rashi also mentions it's mixed in with water, oil, and salt. So this shtita, we have a machlok, at Rav Amar, Bidvaro is the brach on it. Shmuel Amar, Borei Minei Mizanot. Rav Chista says, they're not arguing. Habava, depends on how thick it is. If it's very thick, Habaraka, or if it's very thin. Ava, when it's thick, Lachila Avdila. 
it's made to be eaten, and since it's made to be eaten, you make bari mizonot on it because the ikar there is the flour, and that's what gives it the thickness. Raka, if it's made thin, then it's lirifua. It's made for medicinal purposes and not necessarily to get hana from it, and therefore you only make a shakol niya bidvaro on it. That is the view of many of the rishonim, like the rashbo, the ritva, the meiri. Then the baliyatosavod over here and the rabbeinu yona both say that the issue is not that it is made lirifua, but that when it's raka, when it's much thinner, then it's made to be a drink. And when it's a drink, then there's no din of mechameshet minei dagan. If it has things from the five grains in it, it does not automatically become mizonot. When it is a shtia. And the reason behind the Balea Tosafot Shita comes from what we saw back on Daf Lamed Vavam at Aleph with regards to the Anigron, that over there the Gemara says that on Anigron you make a Bori Preetz, even though you are drinking it for Rifua. So you see that Rifua in of itself is not a reason to drop the Brocha down to Shakol, because over there the Brocha remains Bore Prehaetz. So now over here what they're suggesting is that the reason it doesn't have a din of Borei Mi Name is a note, rather Shahako is as the Balyatosafot say in Dibriamatko Haidusha de Tamre, when it comes to drinks like Shekhar, beer, and other items that contain of the Chamesh Minigan, the Sorim are not discernible or they don't have Mamashut in there. It's only in there for the flavor. In addition, it has an additional elevation where it could be elevated to be pot. So when changing it from its original form into this form is not an upgrade yet. It's actually a downgrade before you upgrade it again to pot. Never turns to shakol. But old, shakol. When it comes to shtia, you always say shakol, even if there are chameshit minei dagan in there, because in the later Tosafot, in B'dibri Matkel Baha'i, he says, It's not made to give satisfaction and to be for a suda, and therefore, anything that has the five grains in it, but it's not made to be for a meal of satisfaction, satiation, Kim lishtob, rather to drink. Kagon sheikharu kuyotzebo, like beer and other things. Mavarech shakol. Okay, I got no posok bahag, and the bahag paskins that way. And those rishonim that argue on the Baitos would say that their raya from a negron is not correct, because by a negron, even healthy people drink it. Therefore, when somebody drinks it for rifuah, the bracha remains bari preates. On the other hand, over here by shtito, the only people who drink it are people who are using it for rifuah. If that's the case, then the bracha is shahakol, because it's only for rifuah. It's not something that people drink unless they are using it for medicinal reasons. We have a fundamental machloket as to what the ptur is over here. The Rishonim, like the Rashba, the Ritva, the Miri, believe that the ptur here is Rifua. And then the Bali Tisafot think that the ptur is the Shtia. So there are a number of Nafgamino that come from this, including the fact that if you have, for instance, a drink that includes Mechashimeshe Mine Dagan, that's used for Rifua, but is also utilized by healthy people to drink. According to the Bali since it's a drink, and the Chamesh Minei Dagan are inside of it, it doesn't have a din of Boremi Minei and the din would be Shehakol. On the other hand, for those like the Rashbo, the Ritva, and the Meiri, because it's done for Rifuah, it has a din of Shehakol. But on the other hand, if healthy people also drink it, then it elevates its status, and then it has an impact by which you'd make the proper brach on it. And the proper brach, according to them, is when you have a Chamesh Minei Dagan, it'd be Boremi Minei in that situation. In addition, if you have items that are solid items, that are used for rifuah, that have chamesh minei dagan in them, that would also be enough gamin over here. According to the Bayatosafot, you'd make whatever the proper brocha is on the item, because it's not a drink, even though it's for rifuah. According to the Rashba, the Bidvan Miri, since it's for rifuah, 
and assuming that it's not eaten by Briam in general, then the bracha also would be shakol over here because it's done for refuah and not for the purposes of hana'ah. And so those would be nafkamina between them. The Shokhanar Chapaskins, like the Tosfud and the Benu Yonah and the Mishnah Brua, seems to favor that opinion. The Ramah, it's not clear exactly what he's saying. It might be that he's arguing that if it is for refuah, that's a sufficient reason to make it shakol. Although the Magina Baram argues that the Ramah is saying something else. But nevertheless, in the end, we do follow the sheet of the Tosfod, and that's why we make a brach of shahakol on things like beer. So now the Gemara continues and says, Made the Rav Yosef, Vishavin. We bring a bright from the Gemara in Shabbat with regards to using medicine on Shabbat. There is a Gzera Tachanat Chachamim, not to use items or take medicine on Shabbat, except in certain circumstances. And over here, Breitah has an argument between Tanaim as to whether you're allowed to knead or mix the Shtita Ava on Shabbat when you do it Ayyadeh Shinoi. And the Breitah then continues and says Shavim, even though they argue with regards to Shtita Ava, Bochashim at the Shtot, when it is the Shtita Raka, everybody agrees that you can take a spoon and do a Kalach Ayyad by a Shinoi and mix it by Shabbat. And you're also allowed to Bechein Shotim Zetum HaMitzri. And you'll have to drink Egyptian beer on Shabbat. If you think the Rufuah Kamikavein, that his intention is for Rufuah, Rufuah B'Shabbat Mishari. Why would it be Mutar, be okay to prepare this Shtita Raka and then drink it on Shabbat if its sole purpose is for medicinal reasons? Because on Shabbat you can drink or eat things that are Frachila or Shtia, but if something's primary purpose or only purpose is for Rufuah, then we won't allow you to do it on Shabbat. And then why is Rab then saying Shahakol if you're allowed to do it on Shabbat? Samalaya Baye says, You don't hold like Rav about this? Vatanan. We have a Mishnah that says, Ochel Adam Bishabbat. Person can eat any food that has medicinal side effects to it on Shabbat. He's allowed to drink all sorts of drinks that bring Rifuah. So how could it be that the Mishnah says you're allowed to take, quote-unquote, medicine on Shabbat? So that is the Gavra Le'achila Kamev Because the person's intent is to eat it, to drink it. And since it has a side effect of providing medicinal cure as well, that's fine on Shabbat. Hachanami, so to in our case, by the Shtitot Raka, you're allowed to make it on Shabbat because the person who's making it is intending for Achila, not L'Shem Rifuah. And if they happen to take it then, and it has the side effect of Rifuah, that's great. But if you do take it for Rifuah, Rab says the bracha is going to be Shakol. Lishna Achrina, there's another version of this. Doesn't seem to be there's necessarily enough Gamina between Lishanot. Just a difference in the formulation. Elamayit Chalameymar, what would you say in this situation to reconcile between that Mishnah that tells us that you're allowed to have Rifuah on Shabbat if you have Achila Shtiyah, and with regards to the Belila Raka and Rav, that gavra lachila kamikavin rufuah memelakavyo. The person's eating it, and it happens to be that the rufuah comes as a side benefit. Achanami, so to in our case of the shtita raka, that person's intending to eat it, and it happens to be that the rufuah comes as a side effect of the eating or drinking. Rav says, then vitzricha the Rav and Shmuel. Now that we've come to this conclusion, why do we need Rav and Shmuel all to tell us that you do require brocha. Dimi hai, had we just had the brayta from a second Shabbat, have, I mean, I would have thought the only time that it works, meaning that you're allowed to do it on Shabbat, and you would make a brocha of shehako on it, is when it's shalachila kamakavein, when he intends to eat it, rufuah memelakavyo. 
and the refuah comes as a side benefit of it, there you should make a bracha but over here where came in the refuah kamikabin, over here where he intends to do it for refuah from the outset, therefore maybe then maybe he shouldn't have to make a bracha on it at all. Kamash Malan, at least Rav, Rashi's gear says Rav and Shmuel over here, but at least with regards to Rav's position that he says Shakal, also here came into Itlay, Hana Amine, Baibruche. Since he gets enough from it, he makes the break a brook on it. The same conclusion that the Gemara came to on the top of Lamed Vav, Amid Aleph. And the Tzlach over here points out, then why do we need that if we already learned that from back on Lamed Vav, Amid Aleph? And he first of all says that the member back on Lamed Vav, Amid Aleph was Rabbi Yochanan and Shmuel. And over here, Rab is the one that's saying it about Rifuah. So that's number one reason why you would repeat it over here, because it's Rab and not Rabbi Yochanan and Shmuel. That's what Rab adds over here. Shmuel adds the fact that even though over here Rob says his shakal when it's a coming out of the refuah, implying that if you did it for achila, maybe you would make a bore. My name is an oath. Long comes Shmuel to say you only by ishtita ava do you make a bore. My name is an oath. You would not do that by ishtita raka, even if you had intent for achila and for refuah. And so that's what they both teach you in terms of the chiddush over here that you make a shakal on the ishtita raka. First of all, even if it's for achila, you would still make a shakal. Number two is, if it's solely for refuah, you'd make a shackle, even though you would have thought maybe not to make it at all. And that's differentiated from the Negron, where people also have it for refuah and achila together. And over there, you make a bore pri ha'etz, according to everyone. From here, it sounds like the Pashtuta Gemara is that this only works if the person is intending to eat it. But if the person didn't make it with the intention to eat it, then it actually would not be permissible on Shabbat. So therefore, according to the way that Rashi explains it, which is the Pashtuta Gemara, the Mishnah and Shabbat teaches you that if it's both for Achila and Rifuah, you make a brocha of Shachol and it's mutar on Shabbat. Rav's Chiddush is not only in a case where it's for Achila, but even when it's solely for Rifuah, which would be okay outside of Shabbat, you'd still make a bracha of Shakonia Bidbaro. Though the Ritvan Narashba both over here suggest that even if he intends for Rifuah, it's still permissible on Shabbat. And the Rabbeinu Yonah seems to say the similar thing, as well as that's the way the Shulchan Archipaskins. And the reason that the Heter is here is not because the person has to intend for Achila, it just has to be that there is a possibility that other people will use it for Achila. And therefore, there's no gzerat smamanim in this situation. Since there are other individuals that do use it or eat it or drink it, therefore, when you do it, even if you intend for refuah, it's still permissible on Shabbat because there is that possibility of making it or utilizing it just for a drink or for achila. And their view is that in the Gemara and Shabbat, the reason that you're allowed to do it on Shabbat is because even though your principal intent is to do it for refuah, nevertheless, since other people do it for achila. That's sufficient grounds to allow you to do it for refuah on Shabbat. Then you would have thought, or the Habamin would have been, that refuah, and that's your primary intent. Maybe you don't have to make a bracha, since the bracha on the item has nothing to do with what other people think, or that the fact that other people eat it, and it has to do with the intent of the person taking it, who is thinking for refuah, you would have thought maybe you shouldn't make any bracha at all. Along comes Rav to be mechadesh, that the fact that it is achila in other places, and you get hanaf from it, that's enough of a reason to make a shakol on it. Okay, now we go back to the Mishnah that says, What is the nusach of the brocha? So, hamotzi lechem in Is that the nusach of brocha? 
Or Reb Nechemi Omer, Motsi Lechem in Aretz, without the hay in front of it. Amarova b'motzi kuleyama lo plige. If you use motzi, which is the suggestion of Reb Nechemia, everybody agrees, da'afik mashma. It means past tense, something which was done already. And that makes sense here, because you took the Lechem out of the Aretz, this is something that happened in the past, and you're giving a brocha for that which transpired in the past, that's facilitating your ability to eat this item now. And we know that because dichtev kel motziyam mimitzrayim. In the brachot of Bil'am, it says that God motziyam mimitzrayim, took them out of Mitzrayim. It's clearly speaking about the past there, and therefore motzi is a verb that describes the past. Kiplige, the machok between the Tanakama and the Chachamim is behamotzi. Rabbanan sabre hamotzi da'afik mashma. That hamotzi means similar to motzi, Chachamim believe hamotzi has the same meaning, which is that it has a past tense to it. Because we find in the beginning of Sefer Dvarim, HaMotzi L'Chamayim Itzur HaChalamish. Moshe Rabbeinu says that God took water out of the stone for you all these years. And as a reference to their, their traveling through the Midbar, their travails in the Midbar, it's all in the past tense. That Amotzi means, according to Rashi, it says, in the future tense. And whereas the Lashon of the Gemara here and the example we're going to bring makes it sound like it's going to be in the present tense. Shinemar, Hamotzi etchem mitachat sivlot mitzrayim. It's talking to Moshe Rabbeinu, and it's telling him, before Hashem takes Bnei Soha out of Mitzrayim, that I am the God, Hamotzi etchem mitachat sivlot mitzrayim, that I'm going to take you out from under the bondage or the subjugation of Mitzrayim. And it's clear there that that's going to happen in the future. So that makes something that is a future tense, or something that's about to happen in the present tense. Rabbanon, hahu dechachin kamaluhu. Rabbanon say, no, you misunderstood what the Pesach saying there. This is what Akash Baruch was saying to Bnei Israel. When I do take you out in the future, then I will do this thing. So that you will know that I'm the one who took you out of Mitzrayim. Because if you will know then that I am Hashem the God that took you out from Tachat Sivlot Mitzrayim. That really is a future perfect, which means that in the future I will have taken you out from Mitzrayim, and you will know that because of the following. So the Chachamim say, even there where it's used in the future, it's in the future looking at something that's already transpired when you're standing in the future. And so they disagree with Rav Nechemia's position. On the other hand, Rabbi Nechemia disagrees with the Rabbanan and says, It's not only in the past tense, it's also in the present tense and the future. God didn't stop providing them water when Moshe is speaking then. He provided before. He's going to continue to provide, and he, he provides it in the future as well. So it's something that's still in effect, and that's how Rabbi Nechemia will explain the rayo of the Chachamim. It seems to be that everybody agrees that the formulation of the bracha should be in the past tense. The question is, which verb gets you that? Is it motzi? That's the only thing that Rabbi Nechemia says gets you that. Chachamim say, whether it's motzi or ha-motzi, both of them are successful at getting you a past tense, and that's what we're trying to create over here. So then, Mishtabuchin Le Rabban and the Rabbi Zeira. Rabbanan were giving high praise to Rabbi Zeira about at Barav Zvid, the son of Rabbi Zvid, Achud Rabbi Shimon Bar Rabbi Zvid, the brother of Rabbi Shimon Bar Zvid, Adam Gadolu. He's a big gun. Ubaki Brachoto. And he's an expert in the area of Brachot. When he shows up, when you bump into him, why don't you bring him over to me, and we'll see what type of big guy he is. One time, this Barav Zvid, the brother of Rabbi Shimon Bar Zvid, showed up by the Rabbonon, and they brought him over to Rabbi Zeira. So Rabbi Zeira took out a loaf of bread for him to make a bracha. 
he said the bracha like Rabbi Nechemia. Amar zehu shomrim alav dadam gadolhu, bakibi brachotu. This is the guy that you say is a big gun and he's an expert in the area of brachot. Bishlomayim amar hamotzi. Had he said hamotzi, then I would have thought something special of him because ashminan taima, ashminan then first of all, he would have been explaining the pasuk to me. What is the meaning of the pasuk of Hamotzi et Chemitachat Siblot Mitzrayim? Because then he would have explained it not as a future tense, but as something that in the future will have happened already. And number two is he'll tell me that the loch is like the Rabbanon. Odomar Motzi, when he uses the word Motzi, Maikam Ashmalon. He doesn't teach me anything. Everybody agrees that Motzi works. And Gemara answers, He said Motzi because that way he is the Diviyakol. Even Rabbi Nechemi agrees that Motzi works and the Chamim agreed to that too. So why not use Motzi that covers all the bases rather than Ha Motzi, which is only the purview of the Rabbanon, but Rabbi Nechemi disagrees. So he wanted to get himself out of sticking his head in between a machloket tanaim. And the lache is a motzi lechem in aretz. The kamelaki rabbonon. The halache is that we make the bracha a motzi lechem in aretz. Because we pass them like the rabbonon, because they are the rabbim. The amri apik mashma. Because they say hamotzi also means in the past tense. Tosafot asks the obvious question, why not do what Barav Zvid did over here and take ourselves out of a machloket and use the word motzi? Because motzi is clearly past tense, and everybody agrees to that, so why not use that and not have any machloket? So Tosavo brings from the Yushalmi that there is an advantage to using hamotzi, and that is because the bracha would otherwise have two mems back to back. And that is because it says, Baruch HaTashem Elkeinu Melech HaOlam, Olam ends with a mem, and then motzi lechem in Aretz. And as we know from Kriyat Shema, when you have at the end of the word and then the next word beginning with the same letter, Sometimes people contract the words together and make them into a single word, haulam motzi, instead of saying haulam motzi. So when you have ha motzi, you don't have that problem anymore because now you have a new letter or a new sound interceding between them. And therefore, you get a better articulation of the brocha when you say ha motzi versus saying motzi. And that is the offsetting factor. But then the Balitos would say, if that's what you're worried about, why don't you continue on in the brocha? It says ha motzi lechem min haaretz. You have lechem min. So you have the two mems adjacent to each other again. Why don't you change the brach over there and not have it be lechem min haaretz and change it to some other language that wouldn't have that problem. That's what it says over there. We don't change it because that's quoting from the postok in Tehillim Kuf Dalet, which says, So since we're directly quoting the postok, Therefore, we want to keep the wording intact over there, even though it comes at the expense of having the two mems together. That's the view of the Balei Tosafot. And if you look in the Machatzita Shekel, he seems to indicate that the reason for using Hamotzi is that Hamotzi is not only means in the past, but also means in the present, and even possibly into the future, it's something that is continuous in nature. And therefore, the Rabbonon believe that hamotzi is the more appropriate language to use, because not only does hamotzi mean the past, but hamotzi means the past, present, and maybe even into the future. And because it has the meaning of all of those items wrapped in it together, that's the truth. God has provided for us, is providing for us, and will provide for us. So hamotzi lechem in aretz is the correct formulation. If you just say motzi lechem, it makes it sound like it's only something that's relegated to the past, but not to the present and the future. And that's why he thinks that a motzi is a better lashon, differentiated from havdalah, whereby the Gemara is looking for havdalah to be in the past tense of borei morei ha'esh. And he notes this from the Yushami, whereby Beit Shammai says that the bracha on ha'esh should be bara, 
because that's something that happened in the past by Sheshit Yemei Breshit and not something that is continuous in nature. Umari then says, well then according to Beit Shemai, why don't you say Bara Priyogofen and they say it's different because Dafka Bayayin, which Nitchadesh Kolashana, which is continuously being recreated and done over and over again, there it's appropriate to use a language of Avar, Hove, and Atid. Whereas when it's speaking about Eish, which is not Mitchadesh all the time, it happened once in history, over there it's proper or appropriate to use the past tense. And even we who say Borei Moroesh, the Gemara later on is going to tell us that the word Borei also means Avar sometimes, and since we want to use Lishna Dekra, we use Borei, even though we might have favored saying Bara, but that's the key differentiation between the bracha that we make by the Eish, and the bracha that we make by Amotzi, where we do want it to have this continuum associated with it, rather than something relegated to the past. There are now quotes from the Mishnah, Balirokot Omer Borei Prihadama, and that comes right after the part of the Mishnah that speaks, Alapat Mivarei Chamotzi Lachminaret. And the Gemara brings, from that we can conclude, Tani Yirakot Dumi Depat. The vegetables here are similar to the pot. Mapat Ur, just like pot is changed and made into a new form through fire, so too, vegetables that are changed by the fire, that's when their brocha will be borei priha adama. And that's the Kiddush over here. Just like pot, which is changed by fire, has a brocha of mozulechem and arts, so too your coat changed by fire, meaning that they were cooked, or they were boiled vegetables, that's when they have a brocha borei priha adama, and that's the Kiddush of the Mishnah. Now, the truth is that the Baal Yatosafot, later on we'll see, in Divrei Matul Mishkach La, say that it's not only true by vegetables, but it's also true by fruits as well. In addition, in the Tosafot right before that, in Midiktani, Tosafot indicates that it's not an exact parallel. Because by pot, the heating up or the baking of the pot elevates the status of the pot. It goes from something that it's of a lower standard to a higher standard. Over here by the Yerakot, that's not necessarily true. It's true that the cooking may not cause a detriment in the vegetables, but it doesn't mean that it necessarily causes a benefit or an improvement in the vegetables. And therefore, the Baliatosavot slightly reformulate the idea here, saying, just like by pot, the fire does not degrade the brocha, so too over here by the Irakot, the fire does not degrade the brocha, even though it's not necessarily uplifting or upgrading the Irakot over here. And just before we continue, for some background over here, is that it's pretty clear from the Gemara that they ate almost all of their vegetables cooked and not raw. They saw raw vegetables as an unusual way to eat the vegetable, and therefore almost in every instance it's going to be an upgrade to cook the vegetable, moving it from its raw state to its cooked state. Now the Gemara continues and says, Amar Rabbanai, Mishmeda Abaye, Rabbanai says in the name of Abaye, Zotomeret, the conclusion you would draw from our Mishnah and that parallel is, Shlakot, Mivarchim Alem, Borei Priyadama. These cooked vegetables will have a bracha Borei Adama. Dorash of Chista, Mishum Rabbeinu, Rav Chista says over in the, in the name of Rabbeinu, Manu, and who's Rabbeinu for Rav Chista? Rav. Shlakot, Mivarchim Aleim, Borei Priyadama. Cooked vegetables, you make a Borei Priyadama. Birabateinu, Yordim Eretz Yisrael, and the great rabbis that come down from Eretz Yisrael, Umanu, and who's that? Ula, Mishmeid Rabbi Yochanan, that's Ula who brought Memrod from Yochanan Amar. Shlakot, Mivarchim Aleim, Shakon Yabid Varo. He says that Shlakot that are cooked, the bracha for them is Shakon Yabid Varo. And now Rav Chista says, Ani Omer. He brought one member from Rav, brought another member from Ula, who he calls Rabuteno, either out of respect for Ula or because Rav Chista was a big unav. He called Ula Rabuteno. But here you have opposing views. You have Rav saying that Ibrach is Adama, and you have Ula and Abraham Yochan saying the Brach is Shahakol. Vani Omer, Rav Chista says, I say, Koshit Chilato Barei Priyadama. 
if the vegetable in its raw state is bari priyadama, shlako, if you cook it, then shakon niyabiyaro, it changes to shakon niyabiyaro. V'choshet chilato, shakon niyabiyaro, and anything that starts out as a raw vegetable in the bracha is shakon niyabiyaro, shlako, when you cook it, then the bracha turns to bore pri adama. And the Gemara says, okay, let's understand what that means. Every vegetable that begins as a shakol, shlakol, and then you boil it, you cook it, bore pri adama, I can find that with a large range of vegetables, including kravla, kruv, cabbage, the silka, which is either beets or spinach, vikra, and gourds or pumpkin. So you can see here, even though today we eat cabbage raw, just like we eat it cooked, over there it seems to be that they only ate it cooked, they did not eat it raw, and therefore cabbage in its raw state was classified as a shahakol, and not a borei pri hadama. Ela kol shetchilato borei pri hadama, shilakol shakol niyabidvaro, which vegetables start out in their raw state where it's borei pri hadama, and where you cook it, and it would turn to a shahakol. Hechamishkachala, how can we have a case like that? And we have many cases like that where you could consider vegetables that people would prefer to eat in their raw state. And then when they're cooked, they might actually be worse off when then they are raw state. But in their day, again, it seems that everything was cooked and having a vegetable in its raw state was very unusual. And that's what they're asking here. How do you have a vegetable in its raw state? It's very priyadama. And then you cook it and it turns into alcohol. We have a case like that in cases of garlic and leeks whereby when they are in their raw state, they're better, and they have a din of bari When they're cooked, that's a degradation in the vegetable, and therefore their bracha becomes shakol. Tosafot on the spot says, vim tomar, very nearly anayim. You see by our own eyes that bishul mashpicham, when you cook the garlic and you cook the leeks, that they actually improve. So Tosafot answers, v'yesh lamar, that's because of the other items that are cooked with them. The garlic and the leeks are used to flavor items, and when they're cooked together with those items, those items also leach flavor into them, and that's what gives them an improvement in their flavor. But inherently, if you were to cook the garlic alone, or you were to cook the leeks alone, that would not improve their taste, and therefore they would go from bari priyadama down to a shahako. And he also notes that if you have an egos, that is, metugan bidvash, is a bracha bori priyaits, and not shakol by the dvash. And even though if you cook the egos separately, it would be to the detriment of the egos, to the nut, and that shouldn't be any different than tumi and karti, where when you cook them, it's to the detriment, and the upgrade only comes from an exogenous addition, like the basar by the tumi and karti, and over here, the honey, nevertheless, Tosavot differentiates and says over here, the egos is the primary object, it's the ikar, and never you still make a bori priyaits, Whereas by the tumi and the karte, they're not the ikar, and therefore they're not going to have a bracha bari priyadama, but rather shakol. And then Tosavon makes a statement which is important, which is venirin, advarim. Anything where the object is just as good cooked as it is raw, the and raw is just as good as cooked, you would make the same bracha on wood cooked and raw. And he gives examples, mine kitniot, beans, vechen tapuchim, apples. And another example which he gives, which is very interesting, is yayin, wine. Yayin mevushal, according to the Baitos over here, is just as good or no differentiation from wine that is not mevushal. And therefore he says that bracha should remain bori priya gofen. This would have major implications in terms of yayin mevushal and whether bishal really changes it or takes away the problem of stam yainam. This possible would be very difficult for that. It might cause some problems because he says there's really no change between the two of them. Whereas things like kra, silka, Prove where they are better cooked than raw, then when they are raw, we make a shako on them. 
when they are cooked, we make a borei pri And he says, Kachni rather Rabbeinu Yehuda, that this is the way that we should paskin, the way that the Gemara lays it out over here, which is that things that are improved from their raw state to their cooked state, there's a significant upgrade in them. In that situation, the raw state is shakol, the cooked state is borei pri Vice versa, something that's good while it's raw and degraded when it is cooked, they'll go from borei pri to shakol. Something that is basically equal raw and cooked, in that situation, then they will remain Bari Priyadama in both of those instances. Now we have a different version of this whole structure of the Machloket that's brought not by Rav Chist, as we saw before, but now by Rav Nachman. Dorish Rav Yachman, Mishum Rabbeinu. Rav Nachman says over in the name of Rabbeinu, Manu, for Rav Nachman, Rabbeinu is Shmuel. Because Rav Nachman's Rebbe was Shmuel, Rav Chista's Rebbe was Rav. So he was quoting Rav in that instance. Over here, Rav Nachman's calling Shmuel, Shlokot, Mervachim, Aleyem, Borei, Priyadama. So he has a similar Memra in the name of Shmuel that Rav Chista had in the name of Rav, which is that Shlokot have a din of Borei, Priyadama. V'chavareinu hayordim Eretz Yisrael, and our compatriots, our peers that come from Eretz Yisrael, Umanu, and who's that reference to? Ula. As Rashi points out over here, Rav Nachman was a big gun, he was chashuv, and therefore he calls Ula Chavareinu, and not Rabuteinu, like Rav Chista did. So Mishmei, the Rabbi Yochanan, here he brings in the name of Rav Yochanan, Amar Shlokot Mivrachim Aleim Shakol Varo. Similar to the Misora that Rav Chista had, in the name of Rav, that you make Bari Pradama, and from Ula, in the name of Rav Yochanan, that you make a Shakol. But unlike Rav Chista, who said that he doesn't think they're arguing, but rather it depends on the circumstance, Rav Nachman says, Ani Omer, Machloket Shnuya. This is a real Machlok between them. Titania, and it's based on this similar Machloket Tanaim. Yotzim Birakik Kasharui Umivishal. If you have matzo, a cracker matzo that was soaked or cooked, you are allowed to use it for matzo on Pesach. Shiloni Moach. As long as it did not dissolve or disintegrate, then you can use it for matzo, and your Yotzei matzo on Pesach, Divi Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Yotzei Omer, Yotzim Birakik Kasharui. You can use matzah that was soaked of a lobe mevushal. If it's cooked already, it's no good. Even if it did not dissolve or disintegrate, the mere fact that it was mitbashel already ruins it for being used as matzah. So what you see over here is that according to Rabbi Meir, bishul does not degrade the original status of the item, whereas according to Rabbi Yossi, it does. And now he's suggesting that's the same achlok between Shmuel and Rabbi Yochanan. Shmuel says that when you cook the vegetables, they still are vegetables, and therefore you make a bori priyadama, just like Rabbi Meir. On the other hand, Ula, who brought from Rabbi Yochanan, that you make a shakol, he holds like Rabbi Yossi, who says that Bishol takes away the integrity of the original item, and therefore you can't use it for matzah, and you would make a shakol niyeh bidvaro on it. And my says, Olohi, that's not a good parallel. The kuliyama shlokot mevarchim aleyem bari priyadama. Because it could be that Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Yossi hold that you make a bari priyadama on shlokot. Va'ad gan lo gamai Rabbi Yossi otam elamishum dominan tam matzah v'leka. Rabbi Yossi's opinion over there may not be because of the bishol being a problem inherently that it's no longer called matzah. The problem is that you're doing a mitzvah to say of chilat matzah. In order to qualify as a mitzvah to say of a chilat matzah, you need to taste matzah. You need to taste the matzah. The bishol takes away the taste of matzah. And that's a problem when you're trying to eat matzah in particular. It may not change the fact that it's called matzah, but it doesn't qualify for the mitzvah because it doesn't have tam matzah inside of it. And that's an inherent part of the mitzvah that say of achilat matzah is that you actually taste the matzah. But over here, in our case, maybe in Rabbi Yossi would be modeh, 
that the vegetables remain vegetables and you would still make a Borei Priyadama. Amar Abchir Bab, Amar Yochanan. So now we have another member from Yochanan, Shalakot Mivrachim Aleyhem Borei Priyadama. So that's different than what we heard from Ula. And Rabbi Ben Yimin Bar Yefet, Amar Rabbi Yochanan, Shalakot Mivrachim Aleyhem Shakot Niyeh Bidvaro. So Rabbi Ben Yimin Bar Yefet's Mesorah is similar to that what we heard from Ula. Amar Rabbi Nachman Bar Yitzchak, Kova Ula L'Shibashteik Rabbi Ben Yimin Bar Yefet. Turns out that Ula had the wrong Mesorah from Yochanan because he heard it from Ben Yimin Bar Yefet. And Ben Yimin Bar Yefet had given the wrong Mesorah from Yochanan. Ula collected that Mesorah, or heard that Mesorah, and made it as if it was what Rabbi Yochanan said, and therefore when Ula was quoting it, he's really quoting the incorrect Mesorah that Rabbi Yimin Bar Yefet brought. And now we explain why we think that Rabbi Yimin Bar Yefet is wrong, because Taibar Rabbi Zerah, Rabbi Zera was a little bit incredulous that the Beit Midrash would compare a Mesorah from Rabbi Yimin Bar Yefet to that from Rabbi Chir Ba'aba. They are of a different ilk, completely. Rabbi Chir Ba'aba, Daik Vigomir Shmatatai, He's very careful, precise about that which he learns. Me, Rabbi Yochanan Rabbi, Rabbi Yochanan is Rabbi. Rabbi Yehefet lo daik, and Rabbi Yehefet wasn't so careful about what he learned from Yochanan, and he sometimes misquoted him. Oh, Rabbi Chirbaava kotlatin yomi mahadir tamudei kamei Rabbi Yochanan Rabbi, and Rabbi Chirbaava reviewed all of his learning in front of Rabbi Yochanan every thirty days. Those of us says not literally, but. Every 30 days of learning, he would review on the 31st day. And so he had a continuous review of what he heard from Yochanan. Rabbi Yimin Bayefet, lo mehader. He doesn't do that type of chazara. Va'od, bar mindain u bar mindain. Even without those two things that we already mentioned, which makes Rabbi Chirbaba a much more credible mavir of the Mesorah from Yochanan, we have other problems, which is that we have stories about Rabbi Yochanan that seem to indicate similar to Rabbi Chirbaba. Da'utu Musa deshakilei sheva zimnin bikdeira. They had this lupine that they cooked seven times in a pot, and they ate it for dessert, and they came to ask Rabbi Yochanan, what should we do, what bracha should we make on it? So that's good evidence of the fact that even when something is cooked, you still make a bore priyadama on it. Rabbi Yochanan ate a salted olive, he made a bracha beforehand, and afterwards, now as Rashi points out, the Bible posts of vote point out, maliach hareu karoteach, salted or something that is in a pickling or brine, has the same din as cooked. And so therefore the zayt maliach is the equivalent of a cooked olive. And on that, Rabbi Yochanan made a bracha in the beginning and in the end. The Gemara says, If you believe that cooked vegetables, or here a cooked fruit like an olive, stays in its original status, then betchila mevarech alea borei preetz. The first bracha will be borei preetz, and lasov afterwards you make alea bracha achat mein shalosh. You'd make an alea eitz ve'ala pre ha eitz. On the other hand, iamach shlakot lavemil tayukaime. If you say that shlakot do not maintain their status, bishlamat chila mevarech alav shakol niyabid varo. Then the first bracha would be shakol niyabid Ella lebesov my mevarech. What would you make afterwards? Now the Gemara's assumption at this point is that borei fashot can't be the bracha chrona that you make here. Because Borena Fashot, as we're going to see later on in the Gemara, might be relegated only to things like meat, milk, cheese, not items like vegetables and fruits. Or it could also be that the Gemara in some places terms Borena Fashot as a bracha chrona, they call it the low klum. That you don't have to say anything as a bracha chrona, because it's not one of your standard brachot, it's a fill-in bracha, as we'll discuss when we get further on in the Gemara and brachot, as to what the nature of this Borena Fashot is. So the Gemara says... Then why was Rabbi Yochanan making bracha tchila v'sov if he thought it was shahakol? And then we don't even know what bracha chrona we'd make. Where it says Dilma, maybe the bracha chrona that he's making is borei nefashot rabot v'chesronan al komashi bara. 
Maybe that's the Nusach bracha that he's making. So now, that's not necessarily a proof, because you see that he made a bracha rishona and a chrona. It could be that he made shakon and fashot, just like he made bori preets and aleits val preets. So from that, you can't prove anything. Now, we saw before that in the Balayatos vote, they bring from Rabbeinu Yehuda, that he thinks halacha is like the way that Rav Chista structured the Gemara before. On the other hand, he quotes from the Rif, that he thinks that the Gemara here is like Rav Nachman, and Rabbi Chir Ba'aba, because Rabbi Chir Ba'aba supports Rabbi Nachman's contention over here that there actually is a machloket. And therefore, the Rif disagrees with that view that we saw before in the Rabbeinu Yehuda, that it depends on whether the Bishel upgrades the vegetables or downgrades the vegetables as to whether it's Shakol or Brei Priyadama. And the Rif says he thinks Allah is like Rabbi Nachman over here, because Rabbi Nachman's explanation is supported by that of Rabbi Chir Ba'aba, so Rabbi Chia Ba'aba says that on Shlokot, Rabbi Yochanan says that you say Borei Pri Ha'adama, and according to the Rif, he doesn't differentiate between whether it's an upgrade or a downgrade. No matter what, you make a Borei Pri Ha'adama. And that's supportive of Nachman's contention over here that there's actually a machloket over here between Shmuel and Rabbi Yochanan. And that means that Rabbi Yochanan believes that no matter what, when there's cooking, then it is a Bori Paradama, whether it's an upgrade or a downgrade, and that's the way that the Rif Paskins. You could have seen their argument be just the opposite way around, which is that everybody agrees when it's a downgrade that it's a Hakol. It's a question when it's an upgrade, there, Ula and Rabbi Yamin may believe that it still remains shakol because there's some sort of change in the vegetable from its original state and therefore it's shakol. Whereas Rabbi Chir Ba'abo thinks that that's an upgrade and therefore in that case where it's an upgrade, it changes to a Bari Priyadama. And then that will have ramifications as to whom the questions that were asked here about the Tumus and the Zayit Meliach we're on. According to the Rif, it's clearly only on Rabbi Yom and Bar Yafet. According to the Rif, Rabbi Nachman and Rabbi Chir Ba'abel believe that no matter whether the Shlika is an upgrade or a downgrade, the Brocha is Borei Pri Hadama. And if that's the case, then they could fit into both of these stories of Rabbi Yochanan, where the Lupine is an upgrade and he said Borei Pri Hadama, and the Zayit Meliach was a downgrade and supposedly he said Borei Pri Hayat. Whereas according to the second way he explained it, the story by the Tumusim, where there's an upgrade because it's inedible when it's not cooked, and when it's cooked, then it's an elevation and an upgrade. Over there, Rabbi Chir, Rabbi Abba, and Rabbi Rabbi Yochanan says you'd make a Bari Priyadama, and that's what we find. Another thing, Rabbi Yom, Rabbi Yom, it says it doesn't matter. Whenever it's cooked, it's a Shahakal. Then over there, how do you explain the case of Tumasim? And that's a problem for Binyamin Bar-Yefet. On the other hand, in the case of the Zayit Meliach, Rashi says that the Zayit Meliach is a downgrade and is a detriment to the olive. And therefore, that question by the case of Zayit Meliach is not only a question on Binyamin Bar-Yefet, it's also the question on the other views in Rabbi Yochanan that say when you have a downgrade, you should still say Shehakol. On the other hand, the Rashba believes that by a Zayit Meliach, that's actually an upgrade in the olive. If that's the case, then this is the second question is of a similar nature to the first question. It's challenging Rabbi Yom and Bar-Yefet, but not the other opinions inside of Rabbi Yochanan. Again, the Gemara rejects the proof from Zayit Meliach, because over there it could have been, Brachat Chilav Asof doesn't tell us what the bracha was. There it could have been Shehako and Barei Nefashot. And there were only two Mersim reigns a problem for Rabbi Yom and Bar-Yefet. Okay, now the Gemara continues and says, The perpetuals that a person uses to be Yotze, the mitzvah of Moro and Pesach, Yotze Behen, you can use them, or their stock, they can't be pickled or put into a brine, and they can't be cooked, and as Rashi points out over here, the difference between Shaluk and Mevushal is that Shaluk is a heavier cooking, or it causes the vegetable to disintegrate more than just simply Mevushal. So it's a heavy cooking. If you think that vegetables remain in their state when you cook them, 
and the bracha should be bore pri hadama, like we suggested in the name of Rebchir Ba'ava, then shlukim, am I lo? Why can't you shlukim for maror? So Gmar says, again, the same thing we said before with regards to Rabbi Yossi's position, shani otam, doing in tam maror, veleka. The mitzvah maror requires a tam maror, and that's absent when you have done the shlika. The shlika, it's still a yerik, it still has a dinner bore pri hadama, but it doesn't have tam maror to it. And since it doesn't have tam maror, you can't be yotze the mitzvah of maror with it. Okay, I'm going to stop here on the last line of Lamed Chedem Bet.